you know, the clients don't understand that it really is this kind of almost gotcha clause in our system. Um, and they don't understand that you, you have to do this perfectly. Um, and so I think that catches a lot of people off guard. Welcome to the Wealth and Law Podcast. I am Brent Nelson. And per usual, I am joined by Rachel Sass, recently back from vacation. Rachel Sass. I'm back. How are you? I'm, I'm well. Probably not as well as you are. Well, actually, I'm, maybe I'm better than you are because you're back from vacation. I'm sort of back from vacation, but it wasn't nearly as relaxing as yours. Yeah. So I was in Hawaii. It was amazing. I got back on Wednesday uh, just a couple days ago, and I'm very sad that I'm back. And it's really depressing because I feel like when I left, Arizona was okay temperature-wise. I think we were like in the low 100s. And I got back, and it's 115 degrees. So coming from like right the 70-degree paradise, I'm sitting at the beach with a pina colada every single day to 115 degrees. I'm... Yeah, not not doing too good now anymore. No. I want to go back. I want to go back. <laughs> Already. <laughs> I want to go back, yeah. <laughs> you know, it is it is mid-June uh, at time of recording here. So this is, we're actually experiencing fairly normal Arizona weather at the moment. I got to yeah. say, it's pretty average. Yeah. Average happens to suck right now, but it is pretty average. Mm-hmm. My my dogs now have to get used to the summer schedule because normally around 5.30, they know, okay, let's go outside. It's time to play. But at 5.30, it's still 110 degrees. They're going to burn the little paws on the pavement. So now they're trying, I'm pushing them back to the 7 p.m. schedule and they are not having it at all. Oh boy. You got you have to convince them to stay in bed later. Right? Yeah. <laughs> My kids slept in until 10 a.m. this morning out of some miracle. So I don't know if it was because it was so warm at night last night that everybody was put into some sort of coma that they didn't <laughs> shake themselves out of until 10 a.m. or what? <laughs> There's some like voodoo curse on my house. All of a sudden my kids all have the sleeping habits of teenagers. <laughs> That's pretty nice, though, then, to have a nice, quiet morning. and that, Yeah, that it was eerie. Peaceful. <laughs> eerie. Right. It's like, it's like the, the, the peaceful sound of being in a morgue. It was sort of like that. You know, a bunch of comatose kids. <laughs> That's funny. Or do you have to kind of worry because you're like, uh-oh, are they up to something because it's silent? It always feels that way. Yeah, in the back <laughs> of your mind. It's that, like, lower brain reacts with that for sure that's the first place you go yeah <laughs> what, what shenanigans are brewing interest interestingly uh my wife came home tonight after um, taking some of the kids to some music lessons walks in the door sees me and our and our oldest our 15 year old and says where is our six-year-old and the 15 year old 15 year old and i both looked at each other and were like we thought she was with you and my wife says no she was with you guys I was like, well, I guess she's in her bedroom. She was. She was oh in the bedroom. <laughs> Do you have like that <laughs> sheer like the moment lower of brain, panic? <laughs> the lower brain reaction to where is your six-year-old? And you say, I thought she was with you. And she says, I thought she was with you is she obviously jumped off a cliff. <laughs> Clearly. Thankfully, she was just playing on her iPad in her room very quietly. Just being a perfect child. That's yeah. all. Just being perfect yeah. and quiet. And mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, speaking of your uh, paradisiacal uh, adventures on 
on vacation. Today, I thought we would talk about state taxation and specifically about Hawaii state taxation. Um, some of this, aside from your travels, is of interest because we have some clients that own property or live in Hawaii. And so we've dealt a little bit with Hawaii. And I didn't think there'd be anybody more fun to do that with than Andrea Carr. Andrea, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. We'll, we'll see if I know anything about Hawaii taxes. We're, oh, we're, oh, we're gonna find out. We're gonna yeah, we're, 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 we're checking and triple checking. We've got a team of fact finders behind the scene ready to-, to I imagine, you know, other Hawaii CPAs listening and be like, ah, she got that wrong. <laughs> I, I feel them listening right now and judging. <laughs> <laughs> The assumption there is that anybody else between the besides the three of us will ever listen to this episode. So I really appreciate that. That's very optimistic. Oh, I, I'm I'm sure they're all tuning in to to hear about the Hawaii episode and see how I do and representing sort of our state CPAs. We'll see. <laughs> Well, for the very few people in the world who uh, don't know who you are, why don't you at least give your high-level CV for us? Um, I. I'm a Hawaii CPA. I, I've been in practice for about 10 years. Uh, I originally have an economics degree and I couldn't find a job with that. So I went and got a CPA um, and then I just started doing taxes and then doing more taxes. And then you're 10 years in and you're still doing more taxes. And that's that's about it. It sounds like entrapment. It is. Yeah. <laughs> a little <Yeah>. bit. Yeah. <laughs> they really get you in and they never let you go. <laughs> what what are your typical clients you know what's sort of a average profile for your clients um so hawaii is sort of unique you know it's a lot of tourism um and you know we don't we barely have any manufacturing in hawaii um so it's mostly tourism it, a lot of it ends up dealing with real estate or service businesses you know doctors and lawyers and veterinarians and, and so I feel like most Hawaii CPAs all have the same sort of mix of clients, which are people involved in real estate and any sort of tourism aspect, and then the service businesses. Um, and then that's about it. I mean, it's really interesting because it's so similar to uh, our state, Arizona, which is a state that has a largely real estate driven economy, followed up somewhat closely by tourism and hospitality, and then all of the services that kind of surround those things. There's a little bit of a uh, startup culture. There's some kind of warehousing for for large corporations or kind of logistical um, operations. But the real core, you know, if you were like going to distill it down to the real core e economic drivers in the states, like the uh, real estate industry and the hospitality industry. Outside, I guess I should say that's like outside of government industries, universities. Oh, and, yeah, you know, yeah government, there's you know, government. Outside of that, like private industry is mm -hmm. is there. So it's a, I, I feel you. It's a very unique uh, set of circumstances. Mm -hmm. D have you been in Hawaii for a long time or are you a recent resident or something in between? I, I am born and raised in Hawaii, <laughs> uh, but no one ever guesses that. <laughs> uh, I, I have never, you know, in Hawaii, you would be referred to as a local if you were born and raised here. And I have never once been called a local. Um, <laughs> uh, but yes, I, I was born and raised here um, a long time here. And but most people do not think that. <laughs> mm -hmm. That that's the same for us. We're we're both born and raised in Arizona, and we're like unicorns walking around because the the state is so transient. And I imagine Hawaii is very similar. Um, it's it's actually not as much. Um, 
has a very unique culture that I think sometimes uh, there's certainly there's always a, there's always some mainland people who come and visit Hawaii, and I think there's always this apprehension in hiring those people because more often than not they they leave in a couple of years. You know, they they come and they're like, oh, you know, it sounds great to live in Hawaii, and then you know it is a little different than I think people are expecting, and and move on. Uh, and certainly, you know, we have a sort of brain drain problem of, of people going to the mainland for school and then basically never being able to afford to come back. <laughs> Um, but always wanting to because of the culture and sort of a, the uniqueness. And so, yeah, always kind of odd. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, why don't, why don't we start there then talking about locals, uh, focusing, I guess, a bit on on residents and non-resident status for tax purposes. Why don't you walk us through that and we can kind of get our heads straightened out here as we jump into some of this stuff. Yeah, so Hawaii just goes off sort of where your domicile is, right? Sort of the universal where your domicile is, is where you're a resident. Um, There's no, I believe it's called statutory residency tense. There's no specific number of days you stay in Hawaii and you're automatically a resident. Um, But generally, it's just kind of, you know, is your domicile Hawaii, then you're a resident. And if it's not, you're not a resident. Um, and certainly, interestingly enough, despite Hawaii's high tax rate, we haven't really seen a lot of residency audits, which, you know, is, is different than, say, New York and California. And I, I think the Department of Tax just hasn't figured out how to do those yet. They haven't they haven't contacted their friends in New York and figured out how to do those residency tests, because there's certainly people you hear of the person who spends, you know, six months in Washington state and six months in Hawaii. And it's, you know, they take the six months in Washington, always the summer, right? And the six months in Hawaii in the winter. Um, and so certainly you hear that and you hear people sort of doing those sort of avoidance strategies. Um, uh, but for now, it's, at least it's relatively simple knowing that it's just domicile, though domicile in itself is complicated, even if the term is simple. <laughs> yeah, and perhaps that's the the reason for the low audit rate. It's just it's a very it's a hard enough standard, I think, for professionals to apply, let alone uh, revenue agents who have an enormous pile of case files on their desk and they're just trying to get through the low hanging fruit. Yeah, I, I think that 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 is what it is. So um, the and we have a we have a somewhat similar rule in our state, although we have a, a days testing uh, objective rule as well. But the the domicile test here is that someone must move here with the intent to stay here for an sort of indefinite or indeterminable amount of time. It's not necessarily a permanent uh, residency rule, like sometimes you have in domicile, but you do have to physically be present here, and then you have to have the desire to kind of be here for some unknown mystical amount of time that you can't quite quite put a finger on. Is it similar in, in Hawaii or do they apply a little different standard? No, I think it's it's very similar to that. Um, you know, it, it's always it's always more people trying to not make their domicile Hawaii than, than to get it, right? I mean, that's always the big thing is that sort of intent to change your domicile and really prove that intent that you you intended to, you know, move to Washington State. I think that's where a lot of Hawaii people sort of gravitate towards is Seattle, is if they can if they can set up in Seattle, that's sort of it's sort of Hawaii number two um, to them. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a Honolulu suburb. Yeah, it's just it's 
little suburb. I mean, it's it's very there's so many Hawaii people in Seattle, and it's just sort of the cultural makeup is very similar. And so I feel like a lot of people are very comfortable in Seattle. Um, yeah. What's the okay? So what's the effect then? If you're a, if you're a Hawaii resident, what is your as an individual? What is your tax status in Hawaii versus if you're a non-resident in Hawaii? I, I think it's very similar to other states. Is you know if you're a resident of Hawaii, you're taxed on your worldwide income, um, which is always sort of horrifying. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, if you're a resident, you're taxed on your worldwide income, and we have a top rate of 11%. Um, so it can get very expensive if you're a resident of Hawaii, especially if you know a lot of your income doesn't, you know, is passive income and investment income. Uh, it, it becomes very costly to be a resident of Hawaii, and of course, if you're a non-resident of Hawaii, then you're just taxed on Hawaii-sourced income which for most taxpayers ends up being rental income, you know, from real estate situated in Hawaii. So do you have clients who are uh, waiting with bated breath to be taxed uh, 54.4% on their capital gains? Yeah. Oh, geez. Like, yeah. You know, I think people love Hawaii enough that they're not going to move, or at least most of them. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that at that point when you're that wealthy, it's like, well, it's not worth it. I'm willing to pay that huge sum to to continue to live in Hawaii. But uh, certainly, I'm sure people consider the idea of you know half in Washington, half in Hawaii. Um, Yeah, yeah, it, it will get fairly expensive. I saw a news article not too long ago, too, where it, please correct me if I'm wrong, that they, Hawaii was proposing to increase the tax rate. It was from like 11 to 16%, if, if I read that correctly. But I, I don't know where was that. And I think it got passed by the Senate, but I don't know if it ever got anywhere after that. Do you know anything about that? Ah. Uh. So this was in the middle of tax season. And so I couldn't really pay attention. I mean, (laughs) certainly your eyebrows kind of raised when you saw that 16%, you know, and there was certainly this idea that Hawaii was not adequately taxing the rich. And even though we are one of the top rates um, in the country. um, And so my general understanding was, yes, um, one our Senate did pass that, but that basically I think the idea was that it was never going to be passed in the House and that it was almost, I don't know, not ceremonial, but it was a, sort of a political gesture than any sort of uh, probable action. Um, but yeah, that was very terrifying to a lot of people. I think my grandfather sent my dad an article about that, like, ah, see what the Democrats are doing. Like, <laughs> Yeah, because he he was he's a big Republican and he was like, look at what your state is doing. I can't believe that. Yeah, <laughs> but but no, no, that has not passed. We're we're still at 11 percent. We have not gone up to 16 percent yet. <laughs> yeah, for now, for, for now. now. Yeah, right. <laughs> we did a thing where we went from three and a half or four and a half percent up to eight percent for certain people, depending on how much money they uh, make. Uh, the threshold is at, we'll say, a quarter million dollars, um, which is a big change for our state because, you know, if at four and a half percent, you're sort of in the bottom third of mm-hmm. tax rates on a state level. But at like eight and nine percent, you're starting to get into the, the top third. Mm-hmm. So we, we like went overnight through a, a ballot proposition. We went from the bottom third to the top third. And of course, then immediately there were all sorts of 
um, uh, there was all sorts of noise surrounding that change and court cases and all sorts all sorts of stuff trying to unwind it. But uh, we're we're what I'm saying is we're inching closer and closer to your 11%. So soon enough we'll know what it's like. Yeah, and then we'll try we'll try and move ahead of you. Yes, we we will always win. <laughs> You'll stay one step ahead. Yeah, um, one step ahead. <laughs> well, then what what do you do uh, in the face of, you know, 11% state level income tax, how, how do you plan for that kind of a tax rate? Uh, you know, you, with all tax planning, you, you do what you're willing to put up with, <laughs> you know, there's certain taxpayers, you can tell them, you know, if you materially participate in this business, you can save, you know, 300,000 of the net investment income tax. I mean, I, we actually told a client this and they were like, no, like 500 hours not happening uh, and so that was you know their threshold they weren't going to do that to save in taxes and so you know if you really wanted to avoid the 11 percent you move um or you or at least attempt to pretend you moved kind of thing which you know people try and do um but you know other than that uh, yeah, because the Hawaii income tax at least mostly conforms to the federal. So, you know, whatever you're doing to avoid federal income tax will probably help you on the state side for the most part. Um, Hawaii has some large tax credits, um, and that's sort of what our wealthier clients end up getting involved with um, to try and reduce the Hawaii taxes. Um, but that's about it. Well, one thing, one thing that's popular, uh, I'll say, in California, although it's not always easy to do, and I, I think probably going to become more and more popular uh, in Arizona as our tax rate has basically doubled overnight. Is when you have a a, a predictable liquidity event coming, and the liquidity event deals with intangible assets that you can easily move. Um, setting up a non-grantor trust in a state with no state level income tax like a Nevada or South Dakota or Delaware, or Alaska, or, you know, any one of the other uh, uh, 15 or 16 states that might fit into these categories with low taxes and the certain type of tax laws or trust laws that let you do it. And then parking those intangible assets in those trusts just before the liquidity liquidity event, having the event, avoiding the state level uh, tax hit, and then maybe possibly in the future getting your hands back on that money when uh, it's no longer subject to your state's income tax. It, is that something that you run into from time to time or is this just a mystical Hollywood thing? <laughs> Uh, I have I have not seen that. You know, uh, I, I've not I guess I've not seen our clients have a lot of money from intangible assets. Um, but that's, that's an interesting idea. And now it's kind of it's bouncing around in my head. It's like, have I missed something in the past? Like, you know, <laughs> now that you brought that up. Um, but it, it's certainly an interesting idea. And I, uh, I sort of want to wrap my head around that. Yeah. I, I And. Again, because our industry sounds like it's somewhat similar to Hawaii, very, very uh, real estate heavy, for example, that's not an industry that's easy to move, right? You can't just pick yeah. up the land and push it into another mm -hmm. state. So for a lot of those clients, this is not a possibility where where it seems to have been popularized, at least in the California context, were people with a bunch of options and shares and startup companies that were about to have IPO events um, coming out of Silicon Valley and then shifting all of those shares or options into these trusts in another state where when they get exercised or the IPO happens and they sell off a bunch, uh, they're not going to get hit with the tax or if they're going to have a, 
a merger acquisition event, you know, shift those interests that they can into this other state so that they can go through the event, have their realization event for tax purposes, but not pay the, the California 13.3% state level income tax. Uh, it just seems like anytime there is a high tax rate, there are shenanigans that follow it. That That is true. Yeah. Certainly where there's possibilities, people will go for them. Yeah, right? No doubt. Well, you mentioned uh, the tax credits. Give us a, a feel for what the Hawaii tax credits are like. Um, so the current Hawaii tax credits, I think the popular one is basically the renew- renewable energy tax credit. Um, and basically these photovoltaic systems is Hawaii has a tax credit uh, equal to 35% the cost of the system, you know, which is which is larger than the federal tax credit. And so and, you know, it's Hawaii. There's there's tons of sun. <laughs> like it, it certainly makes sense um, uh, from just an economic standpoint. And so tons of people, I mean, almost everyone, every house I've seen just walking down the street has photovoltaic panels on the roofs. I mean, it's just kind of everywhere. And clients certainly investing in like solar farms because you still get the tax credit that way. Um, sort of the, the thing that gets people in trouble with the Hawaii tax credits that most mainland CPAs are unaware of. Uh, the Hawaii tax credits, in order to claim it or in, in order to get it, you have to claim it um, within 12 months of the close of the tax year and make sure you file the right forms. Uh, and that sounds simple, <laughs> except you know, I once talked to a tax attorney who said, yeah, I once lost a million dollar case because they didn't, the mainland firm didn't attach a form. And the Hawaii Supreme Court said, yeah, you lose. <laughs> and they lost the million dollar credit, even though they did all the things to actually, they did what they were supposed to invest in to be able to claim the credit, but because a form was not attached, <laughs> They said, nope, you lose the credit. And so you also have to claim it. So 12 months. So usually December 31st of you know 2021 would be to claim a 2020 credit. And if you don't do that, you lose the credit. I, I feel like the Hawaii Department of Taxation waits until that 12 uh, months are up to go and audit you to, to purposely like, eh, well, you made a mistake. And you're too late to really claim the credit and you didn't claim it properly and we're going to deny your credit so it's the credits are huge and they're great if you can get them but you always feel like oh geez like i have to do everything perfectly to get this and you know the clients don't understand that it really is this kind of almost gotcha clause in our system um and they don't understand that you you have to do this perfectly. Um, and so I think that catches a lot of people off guard because, you know, you don't think, well, if I don't attach this form, they're going to deny the credit. <laughs> oh, and if you don't attach the form in the right order. <laughs> oh, yeah. my goodness. Uh, there was this. Yeah, there was a time about, I think, 10 years ago where CCH would print the form in the wrong order. And you would mailing in the tax return. And so on our little production sheets, I, you know, everyone would put it in bold and highlight it multiple times, like move this form to behind this form, because we don't want that form in the order that CCH printed it. Oh, it's just. Oh, my goodness. That is a nightmare. But now they print the form in the right order. It's okay. Oh, good. Oh, (laughs) good for them. (laughs) One less hurdle. So someone, someone not to be named might have let them know. Yeah, I, you know, I wondered why it went on for so long. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, easy. Um, so, so is it, 
how does it work? They wait, they wait to 12 months and they just send that notice of assessing penalties and interest and denying the credit. It feels like that's what they're doing. I mean, I'm sure they will claim that they are not nearly that mean, but I swear that's what they're doing. You know, it, it's how, funny. I, yeah, sorry. Oh, I was, I was going to ask, how does the how does the timing work? When what tax year does the 12 month period relate to? Is the tax year in which you write the check for the project, or is the tax year in which the project is closed and completed? Oh my. Uh, so or does I have, it not matter. Oh, it matters a bunch. Uh, I had a friend slash client, and he put you know he put like a sixty thousand dollar photovoltaic system on his newly built house um and it was and he put it in on like december 31st <sighs> and it and the, and i had to look at this definition very carefully because it came down to when it was placed in service when the system was turned on um and so you you can get into a lot of trouble if you don't claim it in the right year you know if you miss the year when it was if it was supposed to be claimed in the prior year you're out of luck you're you're, you're done you know, if they de deny it in a later year and they say, well, it should have been in the year before, you're you're definitely you're not going to get that credit. And so, yeah, placed in service, it becomes a really big thing. I think the state of Hawaii has clarified that a little more, saying when you apply for, I guess, your I think the building inspection of some sort, <laughs> there's something that has to be done. And it's like when you apply for the inspection, it's considered their placed in service date. And at least that's a little helpful because it's more defined been placed in service, but you know, I, I don't like when clients do it almost straddling two years. It makes me kind of angry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can see why. Yeah. So if you miss if you miss the credit, let's say you've just you forgot to file the form, so you never claim the credit. Can you amend your return? to claim the credit later? You can, as long as you're within the 12 month period uh, mm -hmm. following the close of the year. And, you know, most people don't realize it by then. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's a very short window. Yeah, yeah it is a very short window. Um, so certainly we've seen people, you know, especially ones doing their own tax return, miss that. Um, yeah, which is unfortunate. Can it be used to offset rental income? So if you're a non-resident and you've you know, you've got a, a house you're renting out on Airbnb and it's being rented out all the time. Can you can you put on these solar panels and take the credit to offset the rental income? You can do that and it's refundable. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 pretty crazy. It's it's like a great deal if you can get it. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, but if you can't get it, you know, it's, it's scary. <laughs> OK, are there other credits that people should be aware of or that people could use to offset this i think we've already established very high 11 point uh, 11 percent mm -hmm. uh, uh state level income tax there's certainly other credits uh none are as popular as say the photovoltaic sorry none are as large and popular as the photovoltaic system and so the renewable energy credit um probably the other big tax credits is we give a lot of money to um people, I guess, producers, I don't know, Hollywood to try and film in Hawaii. And, you know, I think it's debatable whether these things are really good <laughs> for the economy and really whether they really work. Um, but but there, Hawaii offers very large tax credits to basically film in Hawaii. Um, and so, and I've never dealt with them. I'm sure there's 
specialized people who deal with, you know, Hollywood and sets and, you know, Magnum PI and Hawaii Five-0. And I think we're getting an NCIS of some sort. I don't know. It'll be yeah, green screened. It'll be green screened. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have all the Jurassic Parks going on. I will say, I will say, uh, before when I've been to Hawaii, they, they're like, our tour is set up for that, right? We're like, you go to where Jurassic Park was filmed. Oh, yeah. So I, ge I guess, yeah. right, if, it, if there's, you know, people who'll pay for that, it, it kind of makes sense. But I didn't, I didn't buy that tour. I didn't go on that one. Yeah. Yeah. I remember growing up, you, we would all go visit where the lost plane was from the lost television show like you could go out there and you could just drive and you, when you're poor and as a child you know that's what you did for fun is you went and you visited the lost plane that was on the beach <laughs> and so yeah i mean certainly people i i'm sure drive some tourism whether it offsets the large credits who knows but yeah certainly you know people do you know see magnum pi and they're like oh i have to go to hawaii we have some some partners in our firm. They're actually in in Montreal, but apparently in Montreal, as in a lot of places that are trying to encourage this kind of behavior, they have very large tax credits for the film industry, similar to Hawaii, in order to incentivize um, films and shows being being produced in their locality. And apparently, and these and these attorneys are basically tax attorneys. And according to them, they're like, well, what we do is tax credit law. That's basically what it is because it drives so much of that industry. Yeah, I think a similar thing happens in Hawaii, that there's people that just specialize in claiming those tax credits in Hawaii mm -hmm. for the film industry. All right. What about um, other Hawaii taxes that people should be aware of slash afraid of? Um, I think the really scary one is Hawaii general excise tax, mm. um, which, you know, most people confuse as a sales tax. Um, and certainly if you see a sales tax chart of what's the sales tax rates of all the different states is you'll see this 4.5% and it will be, it will be listed as though it's a sales tax, but it, but it's not a sales tax, um, which ends up confusing a lot of people. Um, it's a sort of it's a gross receipts tax on the seller. Um, so it's not on the consumer, um, but certainly as the seller, you're allowed to pass it off to the consumer. So, you know, you'll see on a receipt, it's like 4.712%. Um, and it's it even often shows it as a sales tax on a receipt. <laughs> you know, it's just entered in as a sales tax. Um, but the general excise tax is different in which, um, for one, it, it applies to rent, rental income, um, and it applies to the service industry. So, you know, when I send out a bill to a client, I have to charge or <laughs> I have to at least pay general excise tax on if my clients are in Hawaii. Um, it's destination based. So if my clients are outside Hawaii, I don't have to pay that. But if they are in Hawaii, you do. And, you know, Hawaii has even adopted, I guess, the Wayfair provisions that $100,000 in sales and 200 transactions for sort of their general excise tax nexus. Um, you know, so if you have an accounting firm who has over $100,000 of receipts from Hawaii clients, they're supposed to be paying Hawaii general excise tax. Um, and that certainly catches people off guard. Yeah, it sounds like the kind of thing that would, that you wouldn't be thinking. If you're coming from another state, you certainly wouldn't be thinking. And they're going to charge this on services. Yeah, yeah. And, and medical services, too, um, which I think surprises a lot of people. Um, uh, but the rental income also gets people, it gets the out-of-state investors who want to buy their Hawaii, you know, Airbnb 
um, and they don't realize that they're supposed to be paying general excise tax. Yeah, absolutely. That that really surprises me. Now, do can you, if you pay the general excise tax, so let's say I have my dream condo in Hawaii <laughs> someday, and I'm renting out an Airbnb, so I have to pay the, the excise tax, do I get to use that as a credit for income tax, or are they two completely separate? Um, it's completely separate. It's it becomes a deduction uh, for income tax purposes, <laughs> though you know if you want to do an Airbnb in Hawaii, you also then have to pay a transient accommodations tax. <laughs> if you know the rental period, I think is 30 days or less. I think I, I'm not as certain about the transient accommodations tax, and that's 10.25 percent on the gross rental income Ouch. on top of the general excise tax, which is 4.5% of your gross rental income. And so you're paying, you know, 15% of the gross rents as just a tax, you know, before income taxes. Um, so I don't understand why people buy Airbnbs in Hawaii, but they, mm. they I think, I think it's just, you know, the lure of, oh, this is so cool. Yeah, that certainly uh, cuts down the cap rates on those Airbnbs, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and I also love I also love the name excise tax. That's the scariest sounding type of tax. Yeah, yeah. It's, I've heard people describe it as almost like a value added tax at times um, because it's sort of pyramids, too. <laughs> that even though you're paying 4.5 percent at the end, you've also played it along the way. <laughs> um, so it ends up you know, being quite big, but yeah, term excise tax is always a little terrifying. Yeah, it could be, it could be more terrifying. It was, if it was called the like, cut you open and take your heart tax or something like that. Excise tax is pretty close. Yeah, I'm sure some of our clients would call it that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is there, is there any way to plan around it? Are there, are there de minimis thresholds that people have to be aware of if they're trying to avoid being a withholder and payer of excise tax? Um, there are no de minimis thresholds, <laughs> you know, theoretically, if you have a dollar, I mean, of Hawaii income, maybe you should be paying it, uh, at least with the Wayfair decision and their adopting of that 100,000 of sales or 200 transactions, at least you can sort of guess that the Department of Tax, the Hawaii Department of Tax won't go after you if you're under that threshold. But certainly if you're a resident in Hawaii, you know, you do something where you earn $1,000 a year and you get a 1099 miscellaneous for some consulting gig, you have to pay general excise tax on that $1,000 a year and make sure you, you do it. And, and certainly a lot of people forget or they fall behind or they don't realize it. And, and then they're trying to catch up and, and the penalty is 5% per month of the tax due. So, you know, if you're behind, you know, you're looking at a 25% penalty of the tax. And so, you know, we've certainly run into a lot of situations where people have had this 1099 miscellaneous every year and they haven't paid general excise tax and you just have to sort of settle up with the department of tax and pay the penalty. Yeah. Ouch. It's well, a very nice state. Yeah. It sounds yeah. very pleasant. Welcoming. I would say very welcoming. That's what I'm just so shocked about. I'm like how, you know, the, the aloha spirit of Hawaii, how welcoming it is. But then you can see these tax laws. It's like, oh, gosh, it's completely <laughs> contrasting with the social dynamic. Yeah. One of, those, yeah. one of those two sounds like the bait and the other one, the switch. Right. There's a little bit of that. <laughs> we'll do it with a smile. <laughs> well, uh, Andrea, we really appreciate it. It's been very interesting for us. We could talk to you all night long, but um, we won't do that to you. 
if people want to contact you, where can they find you? Oh, geez. Or uh, not. <laughs> Maybe not right now. <laughs> you know, I, I am not taking any new clients at this time. And, you know, I think it's been brutal on all of us for sort of the nonstop workload. You know, I, I look forward to taking actually a restful vacation where you don't feel like, oh, if I take a vacation, I'm just going to fall behind. Um, but I'm probably most contactable through Twitter. If, if you desperately need to contact me, <laughs> that's where to go. Fair enough. Well, we will uh, give people your Twitter handle in the notes of the show. Uh, as I say, we really appreciate it. We know this sort of thing takes time and time is not the thing that everybody has loads of. So we, we certainly appreciate you lending some of yours to us. Yes. Um, thank you very much. This was good. You know, I, I appreciate you guys doing this. I, I think it's very valuable, the ability to sort of learn about these things sort of on the go. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again. Hey, listeners, thank you so much for spending time with us. Rachel and I both really appreciate it. We've really enjoyed doing the podcast. We're trying to do our best work and bring you valuable and useful information. And I hope you feel the same way. And if so, please subscribe to the podcast, leave us reviews, uh, subscribe to our blog if you want to follow us and see the sort of things that we write about. And also follow us on social media at Wealth and Law, basically everywhere that social media is. Thanks so much.